0: you're listening to the Ideal Practice Podcast, episode number five. You guys are healers who do all kinds of things with folks. And I know that you get in there with your clients, you deal with the nitty gritty, you deal with the things no one else is willing to deal with the things they think no one else can deal with. And I don't know about you, but if you're a therapist, there's just not a whole lot we aren't willing to talk about. And yet, the one subject I mean, we can talk about sex, drugs, rock and roll, politics, religion, you name it, we're not afraid of any of it. But when it comes to one subject, you know, we don't go there. And that's money. Well, that's a problem, y'all. And that's what we're talking about today. Stay tuned. Pitts Reeves, and with over two decades of experience in the private practice world, I've built my six-figure business while learning a lot of lessons the hard way. This is the first podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of energy, alignment, and strategy to build a practice that is profit-centered, but people forward. This is the Ideal Practice Podcast. Hey everybody, so let's start here. Let me tell you a little story. A few years ago, I found myself in the office with a young therapist who had just started her practice. And she was excellent from the very beginning. Her clients loved her. She had a full caseload within months, actually, of joining uh, the private practice world. And her audience, her clients, were largely... Uh, from the geriatric side of things and the older adults who were used to paying for their bills with checks, not online, not even credit cards. Honestly, they were big believers in cash. And she was trying to sort out the whole Medicare billing thing, which was a royal mess in the beginning. So as her practice took off, but her billing didn't quite catch up, her accounts were a bit of a mess in the beginning. It was really, really crazy at first. And if Any of y'all have dealt with this, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But her clients knew that they owed her money. If Medicare wasn't paying or it was taking a little while for it to sort in, they sort out, (laughs) they knew they needed to be paying for this awesome work that she was doing. And they loved her and adored her and wanted to do their part. So they would walk into the office with their checkbook and say, Honey, I know I owe you money. What can I pay you? Or they would show up with a check and say, I'm just going to make a little bit, I don't really know how much it's going to be, but let's at least kind of keep a little bit going. And they would have a check in their hand and she would literally wave it away, like with her hand, she would make a waving motion and she would say, oh, just drop that over on the desk and don't worry about it. And they would drop their check on her desk and then come and take their spot in their chair or the couch or wherever they wanted to sit and she would begin their session. She didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want to look at it. She didn't want them to hand that check to her. She was really uncomfortable with the whole idea. And I absolutely got that because I was the same way in the beginning. I was the exact same way. I too literally did not want to touch the money my clients were trying to hand me. But here's the problem, y'all. Our discomfort with money and our unwillingness to deal with the reality of that aspect of our relationship with our clients. Our avoiding the money talk hurts our clients. It doesn't just hurt us. It hurts our clients. It really is the one subject that we shy away from like nothing else. I swear it is astonishing the things that we are willing to talk about, but not heaven forbid money and especially not the money they owe us, the money we require. When, they're, when it works, when it doesn't, whatever. This is a problem. And here's why it's a problem. Our avoidance, our discomfort, our unwillingness to even look at it, touch it, discuss it, dive into it, means that we end up with some really, really messy money boundaries. And that leads to all kinds of trouble. And now you guys are going to get this boundary serve a function, Right. Aren't we always talking with our clients about respecting boundaries, setting boundaries, honoring boundaries? If you're a psychotherapist, you probably are often talking to clients about setting boundaries in relationships, setting boundaries at work, setting boundaries with their kids, all that kind of thing. If you work in the physical health realm, let's say you are a chiropractor or a physical therapist, you are probably talking to them about respecting the boundaries of their body in some way being healthy about setting boundaries for their physical health. Boundaries serve a function, right? Well, the same thing applies to our financial relationship with our clients. There's a lot of things about this we're going to be talking about in the coming days and weeks, but let me just sort of give you a couple of examples of things, situations that I see all the time as someone who coaches healers in private practice and as (laughs) a As someone who's been there myself, I was thinking about just a couple of years ago, I was working with a therapist in the Midwest, somewhere around the Chicago area. That's a big area. I don't remember where, but I know it was somewhere around there. And she was talking about how one of the things that she struggled with was letting certain clients kind of off the hook a little bit when they owed her for a missed session or whatever part the insurance didn't pay. It was harder to enforce it because, especially with those that she liked a lot, the clients that she especially enjoyed, that she loved, or that she just knew so much about their personal circumstances. She knew life was hard for them. It was really hard to kind of hold the line with them. I saw the same thing with a therapist I was working with in the New York area after the pandemic hit, who worked with a lot of millennials, a lot of young folks, who many of whom had you know, kinds of jobs that were hit hard by the pandemic. She said, it's really hard to ask them to pay when I know what's going on with them with the pandemic. And I get that. And sometimes it's perfectly appropriate to let people off the hook in a way. But you guys, your tendency is to do this by default. And there's a problem with that. Early on, when I first started doing my coaching work, I was working with a a therapist locally She had a great reputation. When she reached out to me for coaching, I was really honored because she I already knew how good her work was. She'd been around for a while. She was well-liked. I had referred to her before. And she had a full practice that was busting at the seams. But she was working two jobs to make ends meet, largely because she was having a real struggle requiring that clients honor their end of the deal. And I remember in particular that she had a client that was still dealing with addiction. And I've done a ton of addiction work in my, in my own career. So this is a population I know real well. It's an issue I understand really deeply. And she had a client I remember that owed her something like, I want to say it was like $1,200, $1,500, somewhere along that line. I don't remember how much, but I know it was well over 1000 and it had crept up over time. And of course, she had a hard time holding the line with that client. Well, we could talk about enabling, right? Which, in fact, I did talk about with her, a concept that, of course, she understood. (laughs) And there came a day when, after we had worked together for a while, when she found her internal courage, which was there all along, she just sort of lost sight of it for a bit. And she finally had what I think is a therapeutic conversation with that client and said, Client, dear client, you know how much I care about you. You know, I want only the best for you. And I'm realizing that I'm not serving you by letting this situation continue. You gotta pay up, sweetheart. We gotta catch your account up. You gotta catch up your bill here. And she set some boundaries around that. And lo and behold, the client paid her bill. Funny how that works, right? Our clients rise to the level of expectation that we have for them, just like our kids do, just like our friends do, <laughs> just like our students do. And the goodness gracious, I was thinking about myself. There are so many ways that I've done this myself. I like I lose track of them sometimes. Early on, one of the mistakes I used to make all the time was going above and beyond in kind of a crazy way because I cared about my clients so much and I wanted them to know how important they were. And y'all, I did all kinds of extra things just because I cared. I I went. To, I remember I went to see a client sing in a Christmas concert at a college that was over an hour's drive away. Now, there wasn't anything wrong with that. I enjoyed the concert, but I wanted to support her and show her that I believed in her and I was really proud of her. No, of course I didn't charge for that, nor would I, nor would I recommend it. But, I, but that was a sample, an example, the kind of thing I did all the time. I once drove over two hours each direction, that's basically half my day's drive, to attend an AA meeting with a client who was celebrating a milestone. And I was, again, really proud of her. I wasn't even seeing her at the time. She was actually in inpatient treatment, but had this milestone coming up. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be there for you. So I drove four hours round trip, plus the time I was there, basically spent an entire day to be there. Now, you can look at that and go, oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't feel bad about it because I, I did it because I wanted to, but I did that kind of thing all the time, and that took time, and it was unreimbursed time. You might apply the same thing to going to an empty meeting at a school for one of your clients, or showing up at court for one of your clients, or writing letters for one of your clients, or Reviewing something or editing something for them that they need. There are all kinds of ways that we do things just to help out, but we're not charging for that time. And I just think that's kind of worth paying attention to. I also, I was really bad about letting unpaid claims pile up. When I first started my private practice, and as I began to get on insurance panels back in the day, I don't do this anymore. But back then I did, of course, because I didn't know any better, and that's just all I knew to do. And it was interesting. In the beginning, I found doing my own billing and keeping up with that kind of stuff, but it wasn't so hard. How hard is it? You file a claim each week or each... And that time I did it once a month, which was nuts. But as my caseload began to build and as time went on, of course, the problems began to pile up. If you happen to work in an industry that is covered by third-party reimbursement, then you probably have run into this too. It was astonishing to me that I could... I could submit four claims for four weekly sessions in one month, and they would cover week one, two, and four, but refuse week three. Same client, same situation, same diagnosis, same whatever. And that kind of craziness, oh my gosh, I am not the person to handle that. So those things would pile up because it would be like, oh, I got to go figure that out. I got to call them. I got to resubmit that. I need to dig into this. I need to find out what the problem is. And my personality is not suited for that. (laughs) That level of detail, I am not good at. And I don't like talking about money. I don't like dealing with money. And I certainly don't like dealing with money problems. So of course, I didn't. And you can, well, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to imagine where that went. And you know what made that even worse? I often wouldn't tell clients that there was a problem with this session or that. Because as they accumulated, y'all, I was, to be honest, I was embarrassed by it. I was embarrassed by my own unwillingness, what felt like ineptitude, what felt like incompetence. It wasn't. It was really more about my avoidance than anything else. I just didn't want to do it. I hated it. I hated it so much. So I avoided it. And of course, what happens when you avoid a problem? The problem gets bigger. It doesn't go away. And then I didn't want to tell my clients. And that didn't really help either. That came back to bite me more times than I can count. And here's, a, I'll give you one more example, just one more of a really common one that I bet you money you guys can relate to. And that is how do you handle it when someone doesn't show up or cancels at the last minute or calls you? I'm on my way, but I had a flat tire or my kid is sick or I woke up with a headache, or, you know, it's just a really bad day, and I don't feel like coming today. Sometimes the reasons are perfectly reasonable and understandable. Sometimes you know what's really going on. But what do you do with that? How do you handle that? Do you have a policy at all about that? And if you do, do you enforce it? Do you set that boundary and honor it? I'll probably do an entire episode just on that one problem. Because when I have spoken about this with my ideal practice community, when I've talked about it with colleagues, it is an enormous problem that people really, really struggle with. Well, y'all, all of those situations, not dealing with, fate, with unpaid claims, not dealing with someone who actually owes you money as they go, um, not dealing with no-shows or late cancels, not enforcing your boundaries. Letting people off the hook because you feel sorry for them. All of these are things that I, I so get it. I so get it because I've done all of this with bells on, y'all. But here is the problem. When you do that kind of thing, all you're doing is setting your clients up. You're setting them up for failure and you're setting yourself up as well. Because what happens? You know in the back of your mind what's going on. You know that you're not dealing with that. And if you're not careful, y'all, this will creep into your relationship with your clients, consciously or unconsciously. You're only human, honey. You're only human, and you are allowed to feel. (laughs) Okay? I remember that same young therapist that I talked about at the beginning telling me that In the beginning, when the accounts were such a mess, while she was kind of getting her systems figured out, she didn't really want to look at them because she said, I'm afraid if I know how much they owe me, it will bother me and it will impact my work with them. I'm afraid if I know how much they owe me, it will bother me and it will impact my work with them. Can you relate? Lord knows I can. I did often know how much they owed me, and I just tried really hard not to think about it. Or I didn't know, but I knew the number was growing. And again, I was often, I just can't tell you how much, how embarrassing that was. (laughs) And it's terrible, y'all, when you are running a practice that is built on embarrassment, or dare I say, even guilt or even shame. What's wrong with me? I'm a professional. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I should know how to handle this. I'm a licensed massage therapist. I should know how to do this. I've been in the field for 20 years, for heaven's sake. What is my problem? I should know how to do this. Like we do that kind of thing, don't we? We beat up on ourselves left and right. But Lord knows we don't say it to our clients. No, because we are there 100% for them. Well, I want to give you some ideas. If If you resonate with this, if you're kind of going, oh, Wendy, how have you been hanging out in my bank account? Are you looking at my client records? How did you know this? Are you sitting in my office and looking over my shoulder? No, honey, I don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to because I know you. I know you because I know me. And we are drawn to this work because we love our people. We are not drawn to this work because we love dealing with numbers or money at all but hopefully I've made my point. So let's talk about what do you do with it? What do you do about it? Well, I got a few ideas. So let's talk a few of these through. First of all, as with any boundary and as with any healthy relationship, you start by managing expectations and having clear communication up front. Okay? Okay. Setting the stage is really important in any relationship. So when you are in the beginning phases of your work with a client, or for that matter, before they ever even talk to you, like there are ways you can use your website to do this, your paperwork to do this, your initial consult to do this. If you have an assistant that sets up appointments with you, like there's lots of ways that you can handle this on the front end. But the key is to communicate clearly up front I'm going to tell you five words, five words that are going to run, that these are the five most important words that you can bring to your role as a business owner. And that is, this is how I work. You're going to hear me say this a lot, y'all. It's going to be a repetitive frame because I use it all the time and it matters. This is how I work. One, two, three, four, five. When you work with me, this is what we're going to do. And this is what you're going to love about it. And this is what's going to be a little bit hard about it. And this is why it's worth doing. And here's the cool stuff that you're going to find along the way. Here's why you are going to be so proud of yourself for doing this work. And here's how things are going to get better when we do this together. And along the way, I'm going to require a few things from you as well. This is what my fees are. This is how The investment for your work with me works. This is how I expect to get paid and when. Here are the circumstances that may arise along the way. And this is how we will address those when they do. Absolutely crystal clear expectations up front. Here's what you're getting. Here's how it works. Got it? Awesome. Then, then I want you to communicate clearly along the way as those situations evolve. There were so many things that I wish I could do differently, but you know, we learn along the way, right? And that's why I'm here is to share with you the things I've learned the hard way. My avoidance of this conversation really did hurt my clients. It also hurt me and it hurt my family because there were thousands of dollars that I never collected out of my reluctance to face the facts. So when you have an account that you have somebody who owes you for today, they need to pay you for today. If they don't pay you for today, they need to pay you next time before you continue, right? Don't let them get more than one or two sessions ahead without catching up. If you have an insurance problem, you need to figure that out right away. Don't let it pile up. It's not fair to your clients, y'all, because it feels really bad when they do find out later on. It's also not fair to you. So manage your expectations up front and communicate clearly all along the way hey, client, you know what? We got a problem. This one claim didn't go through and I'm not really sure why, but I wanted to let you know and we need to deal with that be- as- before we go further. Sometimes it's that or as we go further. You may have, um, let's say, the no-show issue. Um, if you're, depending upon what your policy is, whatever it is, you charge them full fee. You charge them half a fee. You charge them if they don't reschedule within the week. I mean, there's lots of ways people handle this. But if you don't enforce that, right? Then you're saying that your word, they can't count on you, right? So manage your expectations up front, communicate clearly along the way and enforce, hold your boundaries, do what you say you will do, because that's also how you, your clients learn to trust you. They know your word means something. And here's the real kicker. In order for you to do that, in order for you to communicate along the way, you know what you got to do? You got to know your numbers, honey. You got to look at your accounts. You've got to stay on top of payment. You got to know where they stand. And I'll tell you my personal favorite way to make sure that this is easy. And that is to have people pay you out of pocket as they go. Or even better yet, pay you in advance by buying a package. That's how I run my practice today. Even with that, I still run into a little bit of a tricky situation here or there. Every now and then, something gets messed up, but not much very rarely. And when it does, it's really easy to solve. Okay. But you need to have people paying you along the way, each visit, or even better yet, in advance. There are lots of ways to handle that. We can certainly talk about systems on down the road. We'll talk about payment systems, how to different ways to set that up. But I just want to have that principle, you got to know your accounts, make yourself look at them. And if you've got a billing person who's doing this for you, or you've got an accountant or a bookkeeper who's doing this for you, that's all well and good, but you still need to look at those accounts. Do not abdicate your responsibility as a business owner. You can delegate that work if you want to, but even if you do, make it your business once a week to sit down and look at those accounts, or on some kind of a regular basis, maybe every couple of weeks to go over the accounts with your bookkeeper or your billing person, so that you are super clear on where everybody stands. You owe that to them. You owe that to you. So manage expectations up front. Communicate clearly along the way. Know your numbers. Dig into the accounts. Make it your business to know where you stand with everyone. And then I'm just going to pull this all together with kind of what I want to say is like your takeaway for today. And that is don't avoid engage. Don't avoid the money talk. Engage in it. Because I think what you will find is this actually strengthens your relationship with your clients. It makes everything so much cleaner, so much healthier, so much clearer for everybody. And they'll appreciate it as well as you do. Because trust me, just because you're not talking about it doesn't mean they're not thinking about it. mean you're not thinking about it, right? So don't avoid it. Engage with it. It'll be good for both of you. And here's the cool part. You'll make more money. How about that? (laughs) All right. So as I bring this to a close, I'm going to ask you, can you relate to some of these kind of sticky situations I'm, I'm talking about here? Have you been through some of these? Have you got a few favorites of your own? Has there been something that you've dealt with where you're like, oh my gosh, I just didn't know what to deal with, how to do, how to deal with that particular little mess, Wendy. Glad you weren't there for that one. I'd love to hear about that because y'all, we all do it. We all do this. So this isn't about beating anybody up. I'm not beating myself up about it and I don't want you to either. It's part of our learning as business owners. You're not just a healer. You're not just a clinician. You're not just someone who cares about your clients. You're also a business owner. And this is part of your growth and evolution in that role as well. So shoot me a com- uh, um, uh, an email, a DM, um, post in the comments. Let me know if you can relate to this and what you're learning from it. And if there's something I can do to help you, of course, let me know as well. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week, and I will see you next time. Bye now. And there you go. We are finished, and that is it for today. Thank you so much for being here. You guys are amazing, and I just appreciate you so much. I hope this episode was helpful. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please take a moment to leave us a five-star review on the platform of your choice, wherever it is that you happen to hear this episode. Thank you guys so much for being here. Have an awesome week and I will see you next time. Bye now.